0: Welcome to the Barbican Screen Talks Archive podcast. On this podcast, we like to give listeners access to the kind of magic moments that happen behind the Barbican cinema's doors. This Q&A with the singular Matty Diop is full of such moments. She's in discussion with poet B. Manzini, and the pair go into some detail about what happens in her 2019 film *Atlantics* so this is probably one you'll want to save until later if you haven't yet seen it. But if you have seen it, you'll know Atlantic's tells the story of Ada, a young woman living in Dakar whose construction worker lover, Suleiman, is lost at sea. This loss sets in motion a series of mysterious events in her community. Here, Diop discusses why finding the right cast members, including Mame Binyeta Sane as Ada and Ibrahima Traore as Suleiman, was so important to the film. Atlantics was Diop's debut feature film, and with it she made history, becoming the first black female filmmaker to have a film premiere in competition at Cannes. But Diop, who was born and raised in France, was known to the film world before Atlantics, not just as the niece of prominent Senegalese director Jibril Diop Mambeti, whose films include Tukibuki and Ien but also as an actress who first starred in Claire Denis's 2008 film, 35 Shots of Rum. The history of French colonial rule in Senegal, from the mid-19th century to independence in 1960, is important background here. Both to Diop's life as a woman of mixed heritage, and to her film. It helps explain why, for Diop, the notion of shooting her film in French, or any language other than Wolof, is so unthinkable. Despite this deep connection to place, it was also important to Diop that the writing happen at a distance, aided by her co writer, Olivia Dimangel, a Frenchman who never set foot in Dakar. You'll hear Diop insist several times that she's a visual artist and not a verbal one. And yet, the poetry that runs through this discussion doesn't come only from B. Manzini, who delivers her poetic response to Atlantics at the very end. Diop also reveals herself to have a very lyrical way of describing her visual poem of a film. I'm Eleni Jones, and this is Barbican Screen Talks with Matty Diop, writer and director of *Atlantics*.
2: Who loved the film?
0: <laughs> like
2: everybody, of course, because it's phenomenal. Um. I wanted to start our conversation with looking at the writing process and craft. I was so taken, for those of you who don't know, I'm a poet. I'll be sharing a poetic response to the film for you guys later. But I was really so taken by the beauty of it, especially the poem between Ada and Suleiman, which went, I knew you would be back, it could only be you. I always taste the salt of your body in the sweat of mine. Suleiman, how beautiful you are. I saw you in the enormous wave which consumed us. All I saw was your eyes and your tears. I felt your weeping dragging me to the shore. Oh, so beautiful. Honestly, Goosebumps have goosebumps just reading it but it made me think about where were you when you were writing when you were
1: crafting (laughs) I'm going to disappoint you so much (laughs) these are not my words Mm. but it's uh, beautiful that you start uh, with these words because they are the last words that were written it was written uh, at the very end of of the editing and in the script, I think it was the scene which was the most minimal in terms of it was just Suleiman and Ada. Ada, Suleiman enters the room and, and they embrace and they make love and there was already the um, vision of Suleiman in the mirror. Mm-hmm. The scene was like I knew what, what was going to happen in terms of of action, but and I knew that I was going to to need Suleiman to talk to her. It was absolutely impossible for me to write myself these words. I wrote uh, all the dialogues in the film except this because I think it was uh, too much uh, sacred place for me and I think I was putting expectation on these words that were too high and I was a bit uh, blinded by my own ambition of these words. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I felt that... First, I'm not a poet. I'm a visual artist and... I wrote dialogues and stuff, but I I don't write poems, you know. I I couldn't do that, I think. And I needed the words to come from another body, from another voice. And I didn't record that during the shooting. And at the very, 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 very end of the editing, I was finally ready to have these words entering the film. So you have to imagine that for the whole editing, this scene was not like that. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is that I proposed to a writer I know called Violaine Huiment, who is French. I just had read her novel, and she's very close with my editor. She also has a very intense relationship with The Atlantic. She saw the movie, and I thought of her also because her reaction, she was one of the first uh, spectators of the film, Mm -hmm. and her reactions and her words on the films uh, really, really gave me a lot of strength to go on, on the editing. And so she saw it. I talked to her for maybe an hour of what I wanted to hear through this dialogue, but that I was not able to, to speak out. I could hear it. I could hear it. I could feel it. So I gave her a bunch of directions. I also told her about this poem from Derek Walcott called The Sea's History. We talked about also erotic poems and yeah, and so that's it. We hang up the phone and two days later she sent that to me. Mm. And when I discovered it, it was really like a, a vertigo because I really had the feeling that these words were inside the film since even even before I started writing the film. And I think it's one of the most beautiful collaboration. Of course, there's plenty of incredible collaboration for me in this film with Fatima Al-Qadiri, with the actors, with each single artist and technician who made that film with me, but this collaboration with Violaine was incredible because she, she literally, I felt that they were my words, but it came from her and I could never have written them, but she couldn't have written them outside the film. So I thought that this was just an extremely incredible and magical collaboration. So she was inspired by your words. Tell us a little bit about
2: your writing process. So you wrote all of the dialogue, where did you start writing? Was it at home in France or was it in Senegal?
1: When I No, no, no. I After I shot uh, Atlantics, the short film, uh, in 2009, I was pretty haunted by the atmosphere that I felt at Dakar at that time, which was pretty ghosty. And even though I had another feature in mind, which was supposed to happen in the French Alps, something was um, telling me that I needed to dedicate uh, a feature film to that chapter. And so the film is in my mind since 2009. And when I finally decided to go for that feature, which was in 2012, just after the Dakar Spring. The Dakar Spring um, happened a couple of months after the Arab Spring. And so when I, start, and when I met my co-writer Olivier Demangel, I had already a treatment. I don't really remember where I wrote the, the, in Paris. And so the original idea was pretty clear. It was the idea of having the spirits of the boys who perished at sea come back to haunt the neighborhood and to haunt the girls. So it was already very clear that it was going to be a a ghost film. The love story was already very central. But at that time, Ada was not that clear. It was still more, uh, I wanted to film a group of girls. And I hadn't decided yet it was going to really uh, be focused on Ada. And then I met Olivier. After reading my treatment, he talked to me about Solaris, the novel that Tarkovsky adapted. And I really liked that he he thought of that. We started to work. And what I decided was not to go to Dakar to write the, the film. And I also liked the fact that Olivier had nothing to do with Dakar. He's a script writer I'm not I mean I write all my films but I don't consider myself as a script uh, writer I, I make films of course I write them but he has all this technique and very very he handles the dramaturgy rules and everything and I have a much more intuitive uh, approach to writing I like the idea that he did know Dakar and, and I didn't want to write over there because I knew that Dakar is a very very magnetic place and I get inspired too much there and so the story would have taken so many you know directions if I had written in Dakar and I had experienced enough things and shot already two films there I knew exactly what I wanted to portray and I thought it was great that it was going to be a fantasy film a tale a very universal tale to stay distant you know from the very intense, uh, real material. And so we rode for three years. I, was even, I did this residency in, in uh, Massachusetts, in Cambridge. So you can't be more far away from Dakar. It was a bit schizophrenic sometimes. But at least <laughs> I had a lot of distance. And also when I came back, when I went to Dakar after the first draft, I knew even more what I wanted to get inspired by, which was actually, uh, I started to cast a group of girls. And the first idea of this casting was not to cast the actress, but to cast girls to make them talk about subjects such as boys, marriage, uh, sex, religion, independency, you know, all these um, subjects. And I I wanted to, to hear them talk about this to make sure I was in phase with the girls of today, and so it helped me a lot to rewrite a bit the, the dialogues. And from there, so I just went once in Dakar. I also did some scouting. I went to Tiaroy, the neighborhood where the film is shot, and that's it, and then I continued the writing and until it was solid enough to, to find some financements. It was very difficult to write this script because a lot of temporalities, dimensions to finding unity in so much going on. It was uh, quite a crazy journey. And the majority of it
2: is in Wolof. I'm interested in why you made that decision and going back a little bit too to the casting, beautiful, beautiful cast and what a joy and a treat to see Dark-skinned, beautiful African people living, you know, out their lives in an ordinary and romantic way on many levels, even though it's a it's a supernatural, surrealist piece. So I just wondered about some of those decisions
1: that you made. Well, is the language people speak there, mm-hmm.
2: mm. but in, in terms of you could have gone down more down the French route, I guess is what I'm I saying. I mean, no
1: way, no, 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 no. That's something uh, I never. I mean, it's still incredible that, to think that it's an option to to film in Dakar in French. Uh, <laughs> and it happened, um, it happened yeah. not very long time ago. This kills me, like when I see short films in, in Dakar, shot by young Senegalese people in French, I, I'm like, wow, that's, that's really okay. We're we're here, okay. And it says a lot. So for me, it was a very evident, natural gesture, but obviously it was a very clear statement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the casting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The casting, as most of the characters were quite young in the film, I knew that I was not going to look for professional actors because they are not really professional actors of this age in Dakar. And even if there were... I don't think I would have gone that direction. I've always um, had a quite documentary casting approach in most of my films. In that one, it was important to keep it because the documentary aspect of the film was more than just a a way to work, but uh, I don't know, a moral and an ethic approach to telling this story because I need the people who embody the characters to be pretty much connected with the social realities of the character. For example, for the lover of Ada Suleiman, played by Ibrahim Traoré, I found him in. A, I went to find him in a war construction place. Uh, he was working there, and I was going there at the end of the day when all the workers go out, and uh, I found him in one of these war construction sites. And he, you know, he, he. I really need the people who will act to, to have experienced the some realities of the character, and at some point to know better than I do about the characters I've written. I've conceived, imagined them, but they have experienced. It's same for Dior, the friend of Ada. I found her in a club. I did a lot, a lot of club to find the, some girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes, and Ada, it took me seven months to to find her she resisted a long time and but it was very at the end it was a bit we were about to delay the the shooting and uh, which was pretty scary and i found her a day i was not looking for her anymore i was scouting in Tiahoi and i was walking uh, along the rails i saw her coming out of a house and then coming in again like like in a subliminal apparition but it was good to be able at the end to to choose all the characters of her life without her, because it gave me a lot of space to choose them from my own sensitivity. Like if I was Ada, my friends would be Amina, Mariama, and Dior. I would have fallen in love with, with Ibrahima or Suleiman. And it was, uh, I think it happened for a reason that she, she arrived at the very, very last end, because uh, all the relationships were between her. Her close relationship were already there. It was, yeah, it was interesting. And then we rehearsed, and um, I wrote the dialogues in in French, and we adapted them to Wolof with them. So they they find their own words, and they get more engaged in, in the process.
2: Mm. I'm gonna ask one more question before I open it up to the audience. We've spoken about casting actors. Your acting experience. How has that imbued or inspired the way that you direct?
1: Um, I I went through that uh, experience. It's like I went on the other side of of the mirror. So I know how, I know what it is to be chosen by somebody to become um, a character, how it often resonates with your own life or, or story. It puts you in a quite vulnerable place. Not negatively, but I mean... You can feel a bit naked, and the importance to have somebody in front of you uh, who who drives you and who and who really, really, really trusts you and mostly that you can trust like a hundred percent trust and if you don't feel that the person who is looking at you and shows you is of a hundred percent sure that you are the character, I think it can't work you know it's uh it needs a i think it needs a total trust to work. And uh, like a sacred pact, you know? But but it's mostly about finding the right person. Like uh, I think that directing actors is mostly about finding the right actor, the right person. It's like 80-90% of it. I'm not the first director who says that. But I've I understood that by being chosen, for example, by Claire Denis in trois of Rome. And I like how the more I direct, the more I consider it as... A same gesture than writing and acting. It's one and same thing at the end, I think.
2: So I'm sure we have some questions.
1: Hiya. Um, I just wanted to ask you more
2: about the process itself. Just from the initial stage when you came up with the concept and the treatment, um, how long did that process take until you finished and made the final film? So when you got the original idea... To make in the final film, how long was that process?
1: Forever, it took forever. No, and also, especially because it was my first uh, feature writing experience. Even though my previous experience as um, writing script were quite uh, ambitious too, like a 1000 Son that I directed before was pretty, pretty complex to write, also. But this one, uh, so like I was saying, I think this film has been in my mind since forever, really. Because besides, I mean, even before I shot the first short film, I feel it was, it's also has a lot, this film has a lot to do with my, my own story. So yeah, it took a very abstract amount of time, but technically it took us uh, between three and four years to write it, which is, uh, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It can feel long, but for a film like that, I think and the first feature, I think it's it's normal, but doesn't really matter how long it takes there was just so many like i was starting to say so many different temporalities to deal with like the fact to begin the film with characters that are going to disappear very fast but that we have to feel attached to them to make sure that we will miss Suleiman to set the uh, geopolitical social dynamic in a couple of minutes to make you believe about the love story in only one scene. And then the temporality of the loss, the the way reality of Ada shifts as soon as Suleiman disappears. I was very interested in working on how does this affect her. Intimacy, her relationship with time with uh, and mostly with herself and the reality around the wedding she was about to accept, etc., etc. And then the fantasy dimension could not begin before the boys at sea would perish because of the shipwreck. So their spirits start to come back and haunt and possess the girls and the investigator. And so the fantasy... Could not arrive before the death of the boys, but shouldn't start too late either. So it was very, very difficult to. And also, like I was telling you, it took me a while to decide if I, whether I wanted to do a, a group, a girl group gang film, or to follow still one character. Because at the beginning, I really wanted to film a group of girls. And also, I was very attached to the ideas of filming these boys more. Almost like if I didn't want them to leave too early. Because at the very, very, very first uh, stage, the film was going to be about the boys until I realized that it had to be not about the boys going there, but about the girls going through that, that departure and that loss. And then the question of who, whose body Suleiman was going to possess was very important. At the beginning, I really wanted Suleiman to possess Dior. I was very interested in, in the fact that Ada and Yar would make love one night through Suleiman, but unfortunately, I think I couldn't have proposed this to a Senegalese audience because it's still a very homophobic country. And also, I think, even here, sometimes you feel like homosexuality is, is um, considered still as a subject, you know? I could almost hear the wrong debates it was going to create... And I didn't want to miss the main, not subject, but the main uh, reason why I made this film. But I would have loved that because I think it would have brought another, another dimension. But then when I decided that uh, Suleiman was not only going to come back to make love to Ada, but also to ruin the wedding uh, and the fire, then the investigation arrived in the film there had to be an investigator and we thought it was interesting that that it was this man who will be possessed by Suleiman for many many reasons and for me it was the most exciting character of the film at the end and for a long time there was a kind of a rivalry between Ada and Isa because I I almost had Isa became the first uh, character of the film but then I went into something more classic, like the love story at the center, and and this is only part of all the other complex things to to deal with. We have time
2: for one more question. Your hand went up first, I believe. It's the last one, so no pressure. Make it good. And <laughs> uh, hi, Matty. Firstly, it was an amazing movie, so congratulations. Thank you. Um, do you consider it a responsibility to portray? Africa and Africans from an African perspective?
1: Yeah, um, huge, yes. Um, it's both uh, an urge, a need, a desire, and yeah, a responsibility because um, I was myself very much disturbed and hurt and sick of how Africa has been for so long uh, depossessed by her own its own story, its own image, its own representation, its own narrative that uh, as a mixed uh, woman and daughter of the diaspora, and also with the legacy of the films of my uncle, I was extremely sensitive to that conflict and also all kind of post-colonialist questions. Uh, I'm especially sensitive and touched by it. And also when I started to engage my cinema in, in Dakar, in Senegal, in Africa, at that time... I felt, which was not necessarily true, but I felt that African cinema in general was a bit like that it was not really there anymore. I had this very strong, I've been very marked by some African films, some of my uncle, Mustafa al and and others. But when I started to make films in, in Africa, except some films, I felt that the continent was not really expressed in itself anymore. And so to, to go back to Dakar and start to make films there was almost like a like it has to, to exist again. Black faces can't disappear from our screens and from our imagination. And the, so much stories has to be told from there. And yeah, the responsibility is huge for me, I think. Uh, that's also why I feel that making films in Dakar is so challenging, because what enters and exists the frame <laughs> you know it's you have to to know exactly what's not entering and what you're framing and I, I feel like almost each shot you no, know, the language has to be very very much uh, precise because um, it's like a bit like repairing you know repairing situation people faces that has been so so misrepresented or badly represented that it's like almost to redraw the faces of a place, you know? It's also why I wanted each character to be so singular, that each character of the film have really its own personality, that to have them even more vibrant and universal, So because it's not only what I shoot that has to write or that has to be very precise, but also have the audience be able to displace itself and to reconsider this territory, these people and these faces from another perspective. For some people it's easy because it's stories that they've always, that they were waiting for, you know? The film is also addressed to this audience, but for another kind of audience, you really have to, yeah, make some people reconsider things, values, situations and have have them engage in situations they think they are disconnected with, but they're not. The film takes place in a very, very, very precise place, but it's it's very global too. It's, I think it's uh, I address myself to many different kind of audiences.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Merci. You wanted to read something, no? Yes.
2: We're not quite at the end guys. I'm going to share, started with poetry, so I'm going to share a poem that was inspired by your beautiful work. Thank you, Bird's Eye View, for commissioning it. It's called The Veil. The veil between living and the unliving is tissue, paper that won't hold any more tears. I beg the mountain to bring you back to me, Encant its magic to use our anger, become a volcano. The mountain booms. There is no bargaining with God. Still, I ask the sea if it can push its salt water full of motion to enliven every cell of my beloved body. The sea reflects my constant pain with the gentle rocking back and forth so those cradled deep in her bed remember to forever sleep. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this Barbican Screen Talk with Mattie Diop. We hope you appreciated Diop's many insights, not just into her film, but into the art of filmmaking in general. If you'd like to hear more such conversations and support arts at the Barbican, please rate and subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Acast or your usual podcast providers. Or visit barbican.org.uk. And we're always keen to hear from listeners. You can find us on social media at Barbican Centre. Barbican Screen Talks Archive is presented by me, Eleni Jones, and produced by Jane Long for Loftus Media. We'll be back next time with director Kim Longinotto discussing her 2019 documentary, Shooting the Mafia, about the Sicilian mob and the woman who dared to photograph them. Until then, be well and goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.